You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Stephen Carr. You can follow me on Twitter at SCargo, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. Today is Monday, April 12th, and my goodness, was that an eventful weekend or what? We will do our best to catch up on everything that's been going on the last 48 hours, and that includes the Tommy Lloyd Watch. Today also begins our player reviews from the season. Each day for the next two or three weeks or so, we will be highlighting uh, one men's player and one women's player from this past season. Today, in honor of Joel Ayayi declaring for the NBA draft, we are going to talk about Joel Ayayi. Uh, we'll discuss his incredible journey in Spokane, and then we're going to finish the show talking about Jill Townsend, a standout women's basketball star, had an equally compelling journey in her time in a Zags uniform. But before we get to all that, let's try to catch you up on everything important that happened over the last two days, and there is a lot of it. All right, here we go. Gonzaga baseball, first and foremost. They had a very, very eventful three-game series against St. Mary's. Friday night, they led 6-3 to three going to the ninth inning, gave up seven runs to the Gales in the top of the ninth. St. Mary's took the season or the series opener 10-6. Gonzaga was very frustrated and took out all of their anger in game two. They beat St. Mary's 21-3. They were up 20 to nothing after six innings, won the game 21-3. Who needs a football team when you've got a baseball team to score three touchdowns? And then on Sunday, they got a brilliant outing from William Kempner, San Jose's own, Valley Christian's finest. Brody Jesse got the save. They won 2-1. to one. They had a bunch of chances to extend the game and get a few more runs on the board, but they couldn't. But the pitching staff held it down, and they took two out of three from St. Mary's. Surprisingly, it's their first series win over St. Mary's since 2015. Another Gonzaga St. Mary's fun fact Going way back in time, Major League Baseball's longest game ever, and this comes from Chad Simmons, friend of the program, baseball's longest game ever came in 1920. It was a 26-inning tie. The two pitchers in that game each pitched all 26 innings. The Boston Braves pitcher graduated from St. Mary's in 1914. The Brooklyn Dodgers pitcher from that day attended Gonzaga from 1906 to 1908. So how's that for some Gonzaga baseball history with the St. Mary's Gales? With this win, Gonzaga jumps into first place alone atop the WCC standings. They are 9-3, a game ahead of Portland and San Francisco, who are both 8-4. San Diego is 6-3, and and Pepperdine has the fewest losses of anybody, but they've only played six games, so they're 4-2. So kind of a jumble atop the standings there. Pepperdine had their three-game series with Pacific canceled this past weekend. Gonzaga will travel to Pepperdine this weekend for a three-game series, and the Waves were actually picked to finish first in the WCC preseason poll. So that should be an interesting series coming up this weekend. Okay, now the Tommy Lloyd update. The update is that there is basically no update. There's a lot of different conflicting reports out there. Some saying that Tommy Lloyd is basically all but the next head coach of the Arizona Wildcats. And then there's some reports coming out late Sunday night that there's a mystery candidate involved. Eric Musselman might be involved. So basically... The longer that this drags out, the more of a chance that Tommy Lloyd stays in Spokane. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here over the next couple of days. Um, but I never really thought that it was a complete lock like some people did that Tommy was going to go to Arizona. I still think 
he probably ends up getting the job. Uh, but right now, there certainly seems like there's a little bit more uncertainty than there was, say, on Friday or Saturday. So keep your eyes peeled on Twitter for all the breaking news that could happen any second now. The other biggest news that came out of this weekend is that Umar Balo is joining Pavel Zakharov in the transfer portal. Balo injured his thumb about midway through the season and just never really found himself back into the rotation. I really like Balo. I think he could have contributed down the line for Gonzaga, uh, but he just he he's a he's a strong strong dude, man, and he posts up about as hard as anybody on the roster. He just doesn't have the best hands, and uh, his quickness is still growing. So wherever he ends up going, I think he's going to excel. Um, it's just really hard to find minutes on this roster with all of the bigs that are currently here, the bigs that are coming in, um, and they may end up getting Walker Kessler too. So um, Balo, I think, is going to be a force wherever he ends up going. I wish it would have been at Gonzaga in two to three years, uh, but we wish him nothing nothing but the best. Chet Holmgren he and his Minnehaha Academy won the 3A state championship in Minnesota by the final score on Saturday of 80-29 to 29 in a state championship. That is pretty ridiculous. Chet Holmgren at 18 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. He does what Chet Holmgren always does, affects the games in many different ways. Uh, his recruitment is coming down to the very, very end here. I can't imagine he waits much longer before his announcement. It could come sometime this week, so keep your eyes peeled to that. One last quick thing before we get into transfer portal news for around the WCC. The WNBA draft is coming up this week, April 15th. Three Gonzaga players are going to be in the WNBA draft. That's Jill Townsend, who we'll talk about later in this show, and then also Jenworth and Leanworth. And I've seen all three of them pop up on uh, mock draft boards. So it's very possible we see a couple of Gonzaga women's basketball players drafted in the WNBA draft. Again, this is coming up on April 15th of this week. Okay, some WCC transfer portal news, and it was a very, very busy weekend for the WCC, especially for San Francisco. I sold stock of San Francisco on Friday's show, and then Todd Golden went out and got three different transfers. First, he went out and he got Gabe Stefanini, big-bodied guard from Columbia, about 6'4", averaged 14 points, five rebounds, four assists in the 2019 season. The 2020 season, he was injured and didn't play. And then this past season, in 2021, the Ivy League didn't play at all. So he ended up going overseas and uh, playing with a bunch of pro teams in Italy while still maintaining his eligibility. So he hasn't played college basketball in two years, but he's transferring into San Francisco now and could very well be one of their starting guards. He's Like I said, he's 6'4", averaged 14 points over at Columbia, and he's going to be joined by... Uh, one of his former teammates, Patrick Tepe, 6'9", uh, big-bodied forward who actually transferred to Duke after his first three years at Columbia, took a redshirt year at Duke, and then just never found himself any playing time at Duke this past season, only played 10 games. So he's going back to a little bit more of a smaller school in San Francisco, a place where he can get some playing time. San Francisco struggled mightily with um, their interior play, so Tepe could definitely help with that. And then they also got Yawn Masalski, who can also help with that. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he played for San Diego for four years. Masalski averaged nine and a half points, eight and a half rebounds this season, and actually finished his year uh, with a 30-point performance against Pepperdine. So that's the second uh, interconference transfer that we've seen this offseason. Yawn Masalski going to San Francisco. So San Francisco adds a really good scoring guard and two big men to their roster. 
The other inner WCC transfer is Braun Hartfield. If you remember him, he also played at San Diego, and he is now going to Pepperdine. Braun Hartfield was San Diego's leading scorer, not this season, but last season. He sat out all this year, didn't play, but he averaged 14 points and five rebounds for San Diego in the 2020 season. He may end up being the leading scorer for Pepperdine this year with Colby Ross gone and Kessler Edwards likely going to the NBA as well. So Braun Hartfield, uh, 6'6", kind of guard wing hybrid uh, going over to the Waves. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in a past podcast with the transfer portal, but Cedric Altman, who is one of their guards at Pepperdine, he is in the transfer portal. So Altman out, Braun Hartfield in for Pepperdine. Last piece of WCC news is that Willie Caruso, starting forward from Santa Clara, is going to forego his final year of eligibility, and he's going to go play professionally. He started alongside Yasin Frankic the last couple of years, averaged 9.5 this year, 10 points last year, so it is going to be a loss for the Broncos. They did bring in a transfer forward who's probably just going to slot in and take his spot in the starting lineup, a transfer from Harvard, but it's definitely going to be a loss, especially in the depth department uh, in, in their front court. Okay, I think that's everything that I got for now from the weekend. Coming up, we're going to talk about Joel Ayayi. He is going to the NBA, as we kind of all expected. We'll break down his journey in Spokane and how incredible his four years have been. And at the end of the show, we're going to talk about Jill Townsend and how incredible her four years have been in Spokane as well. But first, the NFL draft is coming up. Now, there's a bunch of prop bets, and if you want to bet on any of them, betonline.ag is the place to go. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NBA and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So over the weekend, Joel Yai declared for the NBA draft. I don't think that was a shock to anybody. I think there's some people that kind of held out hope. Hey, maybe he could come back and probably be the second leading scorer on the team next year. Uh, and lead them to a national championship. But he is definitely ready for the NBA. Um, so let's just kind of I, – I, I said as soon as the news broke that I thought Joel Ayayi is the most underrated development story in the history of Gonzaga. And I think it's just a total credit to him and his work ethic and what he went through uh, to get to this spot. So let's just go through his journey because I don't know if people really understand – where he actually came from. So he comes in with Corey Kispert in the uh, 2017 recruiting class. He redshirts the uh, 17-18 season. He is just this skinny, skinny, you know, 160-pound guard, and nobody really knows what to expect from him. And so the the 18-19 season rolls around, his redshirt freshman year, and he's playing behind Greg Foster, the true freshman Greg Foster. If you guys remember Greg Foster, Averages five minutes a game. Doesn't really do a whole lot. Average a point and a half. And it seemed like the, the coaches favored Greg Foster over Yai. We really, really weren't sure if he uh, really had much of a role going forward. And so the story goes that Mark Few even said that. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I he never really believed that Joel Yai could be a huge factor 
um, during his his career there. So the offseason going into the 1920 season, you know, Yai was not supposed to get that many minutes leading into that year. But then Zach Norvell left school early to go to the NBA draft. And then Brock Reve, who was a freshman that year, um, decided that he was done with basketball. So that leaves guard minutes open. And so Ayayi is the guard on the roster that has experience. And so they have really no choice but to play him more minutes. And Joel Ayayi just explodes. And so his, uh, you know, 1920 season, so last year, um, averages 10 and a half points. He came off the bench to start the year. If you guys remember, Admon Gilder was the starter. In the Bahamas, he played really well. He, he played 32 minutes against Southern Miss, scored 21 points, and then he scored 13 against Oregon. And then coupled that with some injuries because that 2019-2020 team was just full of nagging injuries all over the place. Uh, but Ayayi took over the starting spot from there, and he never gave it back up. Uh, and I thought he was one of the best players on the court. When they played at Washington, he made two huge, huge threes down the stretch of that game. And then I thought he was one of the best players on the floor against Arizona the next week on the road. Um, he had a huge offensive rebound at the end of the game that won that thing. He had 15 points in that game, six rebounds, seven assists. And if that's not a Joel Ayayi stat line right there, I don't know what it is. 15 points, six rebounds, seven assists. Like that just screams Joel Ayayi. He finished the 2019-20 season with 10.5 points. 6.3 rebounds, and those 6.3 rebounds were the most by a guard in Gonzaga history, beating out Nigel Williams-Goss, who was uh, averaged six rebounds in the 2017 season. So we knew coming into this season, his redshirt junior year, that he was going to be a starter at the two guard. He's probably going to play 30, 35 minutes a game. He's going to be one of the biggest factors on the team, and that's what he was. And he developed uh, uh, even more from the perimeter. Um, he ended up shooting close to 40% by the end of the year. Uh, he really was kind of a knockdown shooter uh, by the end of the season in the tournament. So he averaged 12 points and seven rebounds this season. His offensive rating was 129, which was number 16 in the entire country. His two-point percentage, 68.3%, was 27th in the entire country. He just did everything well, right? I mean, he, did, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to score because he's such an elite cutter. But when he does have the ball in his hands, like he's so – he was just so patient with the ball. And he, he rarely ever – seemed to make uh, a mistake. And so that led to the first triple-double in school history, which he had against Portland. He had 18 rebounds uh, early in the season against Iowa. He was their best player, probably his biggest moment. He was their best player for the first 30 minutes or so in that semifinal game against UCLA. I think he started the game, uh, what, six for six, seven for seven, something like that from the field. He ended up with 22 points in that game basically kept them in the game in the entire first half when UCLA wouldn't miss a shot. Well, neither was Joel Yai. So Joel Yai going off to the NBA, I, I really do think from where he was as a redshirt freshman, where he was playing behind Greg Foster to become an NBA caliber player within two and a half years is just absolutely unbelievable. Um, determination on his part faith in the coaching staff once he started playing more minutes to trust him and I, I just think his journey is one of the better success stories that Gonzaga has seen and so now he goes to the NBA uh, I've seen him mocked anywhere in the 20-ish to 25 range which is 
I think a little bit generous, but it's possible. And then I've seen some mock drafts that had undrafted, which is very unreasonable. There's, I don't see any way that he doesn't get drafted uh, by a team in this draft. I think more likely is somewhere between the 30 to 40 range. Um, I think he's a fringe first round pick, but he, I think he's got all the tools to be a successful NBA player. He doesn't need to have the ball in his hands to be successful. Assuming he continues to improve his three-point shot, he can be a valuable shooter in the NBA as well. He's good in ball screens. That's what he's done his entire, you know, two years of playing time. You know, you've run ball screens in Gonzaga's offense. So um, he, I know a lot of people are say, you know, he's a, a prototypical Spurs player um, just with the, the off-ball motion that Popovich likes to have. But I think he can thrive in a lot of different systems. Uh, I think he's an incredibly versatile player. He's a really smart player, and he can adapt to whatever style of play uh, that, that a team has him running. So I think he's going to have a really long NBA career. If he doesn't fit in with a certain team, I mean, he's got a plethora of options that he can go to in Europe and thrive. But I really do think Ayayi is an NBA player, and he can you know, carve out a role for himself for 10 to 15 years. So shout out to Joel Ayayi. We may not see another development story like that for – a little while, and so uh, all credit goes to him for his four years in Spokane. Coming up, we're going to finish the show talking about Jill Townsend. And if Joel Yai is the picture of development, then Jill Townsend is the picture of perseverance. We'll talk about her story, how she came back from injury, and what she did in her final two years in Spokane. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. I know because I've heard you guys and all of you want the cookies and cream bar. And I don't blame you. It is delicious. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate and all bars. There are over 20 amazing flavors, including peanut butter, caramel brownie, banana bread, that cookies and cream bar that you all love, and many more. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy, too. They are great for the health-conscious guy and also great for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. That cookies and cream bar, for example, has 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Football fans, tune in April 19th through the 26th and listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. Our local experts for every team will be making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Follow the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We finished today talking about Jill Townsend, the 5'11 wing from Okanagan, had a truly remarkable four years in Spokane and helped bring the program to new heights. Her freshman year, um, she played all 33 games and she was a role player, averaged 13 minutes, and she didn't shoot particularly well, I mean, really at all. Uh, She was 5 for 33 from deep, which equals 15%, but she did a lot of other stuff. Um, she rebounded well, and you could, you could just kind of tell that she was going to be a really good player down the line. And so her sophomore year, she ended up becoming the sixth man, um, first player off the bench. She was quite good. She helped them win uh, a lot of big games in the non-conference. She had a couple big shots to beat Stanford in that 2019 season, which was one of the biggest wins in school history at the time. And then the end of that 2019 season was 
the just really unfortunate ending uh, the WCC semifinals. Both Jill Townsend and Laura Stockton went down with just gruesome leg injuries. Uh, they ended up losing the next day. They won that semifinal game at the buzzer. Zagir Rice hit a game-winning shot at the buzzer, but they ended up losing the championship game to BYU. Down two players going into the NCAA tournament as a five seed. They beat Little Rock, but then just the, the depth just wasn't there. They fought their tails off against Oregon State in Corvallis. Had a shot to win the game, uh, but without two of their better players, they couldn't pull it off. And so that offseason, Jill Townsend, well, I mean, you you have a gruesome leg injury like that. You're not supposed to return for probably six to eight months. And it wasn't really expected that she was going to be 100% by the, the, the start of the 1920 regular season. Uh, she was ready a full month ahead of time. And she came out guns a-blazing. She was a starter now. She was one of their best players. Not only did she return better, she returned and became the WCC Player of the Year in the 2019-20 season. She averaged 12.5 points and 5.5 rebounds. She shot 85% from the free throw line, and she shot 41% from deep. She was their team leader, and she led Gonzaga to new heights in the AP pool. Uh, finishing in the top 12 at multiple points during the season. They were going to get a top four seed in the NCAA tournament and play in Spokane uh, before the pandemic hit. But there was one thing missing still, and that was a WCC tournament championship because they lost in the WCC semifinals again in that 2020 season when Portland beat them at the buzzer. So they lose in the WCC championship uh, after losing two players in 2019, they lose in the WCC semifinals at the buzzer in 2020. So the goal in 2021, more than anything else, is to win that WCC tournament championship. Well, they get to the WCC tournament championship and half the team gets food poisoning the night before the game. And everybody at that point, you're just like, all right, we we got to stop going to Vegas. Jill Townsend was one of those players that got food poisoning. She was uh, hampered throughout the game, didn't play a whole lot. She couldn't play more than two or three minutes at a time. Didn't score a single basket until 0.6 seconds left on the clock. She's not even in the game. Lisa Fortier puts her in at an out-of-bounds play underneath. Hasn't scored, hasn't made a shot. She was 0 for 5. Jill Townsend comes in, hits the buzzer beater to win the WCC Tournament Championship. One of the best moments of the season uh, for either the men or the women. And there was no better person to hit it than her. After everything she had been through the last three years, she was the perfect person for that moment. She makes a shot. Gonzaga wins the WCC title. Uh, Jen Worth ends up winning WCC Player of the Year um, this season. But, I mean, Jill Townsend was unquestionably the leader of the team again. She averaged 13.5 points, five rebounds, two and a half assists. I mean, she was just fantastic. And so Gonzaga gets a five seed in the NCAA tournament, which matches their best seed ever. Unfortunately, they lose in the first round to Belmont, and just basically everybody was off in that game. But uh, Jill Townsend has, has brought, along with Jen and Leanne Worth, it just brought this program to new heights. And it's probably not going to be forgotten because prior to their class coming in, Gonzaga was in a little bit of a rut. Uh, they had just missed the NCAA tournament right before she arrived in Spokane. Um, and so Lisa, she was really one of... Lisa Fortier's first recruiting classes, kind of to, to hopefully bring, you know, Gonzaga back into the tournament, trying to get them back into the second weekend. And um, they didn't get back to that second weekend, unfortunately, but 
They did elevate this program. Like I said, they got two five seeds in the NCAA tournament. Who knows what would have happened last year if the pandemic hadn't hit. Uh, they were, like I said, they were supposed to be a four seed play in Spokane. And Jill Townsend was a huge part of that. Um, and she's done so much off the court as well. She was named to the uh, 2021 Senior Class Award, first team All-American team. She was the first Gonzaga player to ever be honored as part of this national team award. The award is chosen by a uh, nationwide vote of Division I women's basketball coaches and the media and the fans. And it's uh, basically achievements in excellence in the community and in the classroom and in character and in competition. So Jill Townsend, not just great on the court, but off the court as well. She's fantastic for the Spokane community. She's very, very friendly, um, just an all around great human being, fiery competitor when she's on the court, amazing person when she's off the court, and really one of the, the better athletes to come through Spokane. Uh, in my time following the program. So a big shout out to Jill Townsend. She will be entering the WNBA draft. I have seen her name in a couple mock drafts being taken in the third round. So we'll see what happens there. Again, the WNBA draft is coming up on April 15th later on this week, and we'll see if Jill Townsend gets her name called. That is enough out of me today. Tomorrow on the show, we are going to talk about the power couple, Corey Kispert, Jen Worth. We'll talk about them, review their seasons, preview what their professional careers could have in store. We'll also update you on any more Tommy Lloyd news that we hear, any more transfer portal news that we hear, and anything else that seems to be relevant to Gonzaga Athletics. Don't forget, you can rate and subscribe to the podcast. Please leave a review saying your Gonzaga story, and I will read those on Friday. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at scargo. That's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you don't have a Twitter and you want to email me, feel free, LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Enjoy your Monday. We'll see you right back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.